Are Greg and Maya professional reviewers? Absolutely not. Like amateurs at best, but it's okay because they're funny, smart, and kind of adorable. Bless their hearts. So sit back, relax, and tune into this week's episode of All Cued Up. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to All Queued Up, the review podcast about streaming service shows. On today's show, Halo uh, Season 2, Episode 3. Um, uh, that's all we got on shows-wise. For discussion topics, we are going to be talking about the uh, 1987, uh, 1997 X-Men show and like a couple controversies around it. Um, oh. uh, Helldivers and Starship Troopers, which we'll get to in a minute. And nostalgia pages on social media, which I'll explain what that means in a minute. But first, I'm Greg. That's Maya. How's your week been, Maya? Uh, good for the most part. A little frustrating. You remember last week when I showed you that resin miniature that I built? Yeah. I broke it beyond repair. <laughs> I broke it oh, beyond no. repair. I had to throw it away. I'm so oh, frustrated about that. It was, I, I was getting ready to prime it, and I was putting it on a uh, a base so I could attach the base to uh, uh, what I used to prime things with. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can't just hold the miniature itself. You primer all over your fucking hands. You know, put it on a base and then extend it. You know, on a f- couple skewers from the base. All I can say to that is, I, I assume. Yeah, yeah, it Makes yeah. sense. And I dropped it. And it hit head first. Broke the head off, broke the arm off, broke the cape off. And not just breaking it off, you know, like, oh, well, you just need to reapply the glue. No, it sheared off the connection points. Jesus. And then I was like, son of a bitch. Yeah, it explains why so I didn't I see any updates about it. Yeah, well, I work slow for one. That's why I don't do a lot of updates. I've got, I've got like, well, shit. Let me just show you the inside of my paint booth in a photo. In um, a photo for me. Yes, yes, yes. It'll take just a moment. This is this this is the these are the things that I have ready to go. Uh, I'll have to back it. Turn it sideways. There we go. Move your fingers, you stupid. Oh. What was your favorite part of the podcast today? I really liked the part where it was really quiet because Maya was taking a picture. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exciting, riveting shit, I know. (laughs) There you go. There's there's just a, a, a smattering... Of things I have to do. A smattering. A smattering. Well, I mean, yeah. from that distance, it looks it looks fine, but I'm sure up close. Like you're the kind of you're the kind of person, and I know you are, because I'm the same fucking way. When you do a piece of art or you are done with an art project, you will look back and be like, fuck, that sucks. I wish I could do that again or do that differently. And like somebody else looks at it like, that's dope as shit. You win first prize in like eight awards, and you're still like, Yeah, it fucking sucks. <laughs> 
I'm I'm highly critical of my my own work. Um, I mean, that's yeah. It's there are you know several pieces that I'm really proud of, and you know as we've discussed, I've entered painting competitions and placed second in every one of them except one, which I won, which was the last one I entered. However, there is one this this Sunday, but it's a speed painting competition. I'm not a speed painter. It's like you've got two hours to completely paint and base your model. Then once it's once everybody's models are dried, we'll judge them. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, I have speed paints and contrast paints, which do a lot of heavy lifting when it comes to um, uh, the actual painting process. Like, you know, when you paint, you got to put down your shadows, your base coat, your mid-tones, your highlights. Speed paints and contrast paints do three steps in one. They base coat, shadow, and highlight all in one. But they take a really long time to dry. Whereas regular acrylic miniature paint, usually after you get done putting it on, two or three minutes later the water's evaporated and it's dried and you can paint over it again. Speed paints and contrast paints take 20 to 40 minutes. So it's just like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't have, I'm intimidated by it. I'm just like, it's a speed painting competition. I'm not a fast painter. I will spend eight, ten hours on a miniature, and it still won't be done. And that's just for something, you know, to put on my shelf. You know, it's just so probably won't enter that. I just would rather enter a regular competition. Yeah. But yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm highly. That sounds like unne- unnecessary stress. Well, it's just the, you know, I've I've also not been painting a hell of a lot here in the past few months, so I know my brushwork will be very slow compared to what it could be. So it's like. I don't have the confidence in my ability right now to enter a speed painting competition. Even though it's free to enter, you just have to bring all your own supplies, all your paints, your brushes, your basing materials, etc. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, that's all well and good, but I don't have the confidence in my ability to paint. And I asked what model they were painting, just in case. And they told me. And I was like, I googled the image of it and i looked at it i was like yeah fuck that i can't get that painted in two hours i can't i just know i can't <clears throat> so yeah you know there's that uh other than that just been you know doing doing a little bit of hobby stuff uh trying not to break anything but i've got a bunch of bunch of stuff primed and ready to paint i just will probably uh paint some you know paint some up this week and try to finish these D&D minis I did also my cat knocked off the Venger and broke the Venger so I had to reorder one uh, but it was only six bucks so you know for the mini so yeah more yourself, s- is it worth having a cat uh, yeah it's worth having the three cats I said sometimes you ask that and then you go yeah it's fine <laughs> Well, I mean, it was $6. It's not like it knocked over one of my $600 Transformers. But if he had, he'd be looking for a new home, right? Hmm? <laughs> I'm no. I, 
I'm joking. I'm joking. No, it's not like it's a dog. Oh, my God, Maya. I'd never own a dog. I hate dogs. Well, I hate Those the fact. I hate, I hate the idea of owning a dog. I don't hate dogs. But I don't like them well enough to invite one into my home and give it a home. There's plenty of other people out there that'll do that. The difference between cats and dogs is that dogs require a lot more attention and work than a cat does. Yes. As having having lived in a household that has had uh, a quite a lot of both. Like, that's the big difference. Like You have to give your attention to a fucking dog where a cat's like, I'm good. I'm fucking good. I'll come to you when I want that attention. Charlie stays by my side. Like, in the afternoons, uh, when I go into the living room, and I'm like, yeah, let's lay down and watch some YouTube or play a video game or something. He curls right up behind my legs and stays there for like five, six fucking hours. And, you know, at night, when everybody lays down and goes to bed, you know, and the lights go out, he knows. He's like, I'm going to get on top of that blanket. And he crawls right behind my butt and snuggles up. And he stays there all fucking night, you know. And Charlie's awesome. Oh, I've had but, plenty of cats do very similar things. Um, but that's but, the thing. You don't have to take them outside and walk them. You don't have to, no. you know. They're very I independent still, pets. Yes, yes. And I like that. I like that level Which is, of independence. I was like, there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, having a cat and a dog. I Having both at the same time would be stressful. No, no, I've had both. The, the 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 way that you do that is you don't get like, hey, I have a thirteen year old cat. I'm gonna get a puppy. No, you just that's stressful. Yeah. Uh, which we've done before. Um, what you do is you get them both when they're kitten or they're they're both babies. Very yeah, young. let them grow up together and get used to each other. And or you get some shelter animals that have been through some shit. And they don't fucking care. They're just like, I'm not in a goddamn cold-ass cage. Yeah, and they're happy to just have a home and like, okay, I'll put up with that cat's antics. Exactly. (laughs) You can just rub my belly and feed me and take me outside to pee and I'm good. Exactly. Um, Which we're thinking about doing here soon at this house, but we will see. We've got a bunch of shit, other shit we got to deal with. Speaking of, my week. One of my friends offered me a puppy the other day, and I was just like, no, thank you. And I just <laughs> left it at that. You know, it's just, oh, Misty and I and Madison, we're, we're just not dog-owning people. We like dogs well enough, fine enough. You know, like if I go over to a friend's house and their dogs are there, yes, I'll pet the dog, you know, talk to the dog, even play with the dog. Yeah. But I don't want to bring a dog home. My house is no, I, I, dog friendly. <laughs> I I understand exactly what you're talking about because I mean that that's how I kind of felt for a long fucking time until we got Scarlett and Kaylee, and I'm like, mm, I get it, I get it, I get why you want a dog because a dog a dog will love you differently than a cat, straight up. And I don't care what cat it is because we've had all kinds of cats growing up and all different personalities and all this kind of shit like. Super fucking affectionate cats, super distant cats, angry all the time cats, like the stupid cats, the gamut. And but none of not a single cat loves you the way that a dog does. Like what I mean by this is like I, I remember 
counterfeit when I was younger. And I'd come home and he'd be on the, he'd be on the arm of the couch and meowing at me to come and pet him. He was excited to see me come home. But after like two minutes of affection, he's like, stay the fuck away from me for the rest of the day until I'm ready. A dog, on the other hand, will be your fucking shadow until like you leave to work the next day or whatever. Like, they're just like, yeah, they're up, they're up your ass. <laughs> and that's a different kind of love. And it, it really depends on, on what kind of affection you want from your pet. That's true. So that's more, that's more or less my, my point on that is that like, if you want zero affection, you get yourself a fucking hamster or a lizard. Um, uh, I used to have an iguana that was four feet long when I got him five feet long when he passed away. I used to take him for car rides and, um, had a harness, you know, like you put on a dog or a cat and a leash, big four mm-hmm. foot long chain leash. And I used to take him for walks out town and shit. Iguanas and, are great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't had an iguana in years now, but I loved them. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. Another pet that was... like requires. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was oh, another I was pet that requires. He was very temperamental. <laughs> oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Fucking honorary. Um, I was another pet that uh, requires a lot of attention. Are birds? Yeah. But yeah, well, but, that's, um, that's pretty much been my week. How's your week, man? Stressful. Like that's. I kind of, I'm not going to go into the podcast, but I kind of told you before we recorded, like everything going on. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's arguably too much, but we'll, we'll, we'll make it. We'll, we'll get through it. We'll, uh, we'll come out smell like roses on the other end. I hope. But um, just as long as they're not roses covered in shit, right? Yes. Uh, Andre 3000. Um, no, no, that's, uh, Shit. That was from the album Love Below, right? No. I don't I don't know. There's a fucking old album. Um Oh shit, man. Uh, give me a second. The uh, Below album. Outcast. It was Outcast and Andre 3000. They had a album that came out. Um, called The Love Below, and it had two sides. It was the speaker box and The Love Below. I had the album. It was fucking fantastic. Um, and there's a song called Roses. And it's it's a full-on outcast song featuring both of them. But one of the lyrics is... Let me see if I can find it. About, about thinking, like... About certain women thinking that their shit smells like roses. Oh. Yeah, that's why it's called roses. I believe I could be wrong. So I was trying to quote that and just fucked it all up. But anyway. Um, yeah, it's a lot of like medical and money stuff is the stress. and um, That's arguably what it's just been over here. I uh, fucking did the, uh, the IRS, man. They are so frustrating to deal with. All the goddamn time. Every year. 
It's like I, I like they intentionally want it to be stressful. They don't want anyone to have like an easy time doing their goddamn taxes. No. I finally got my fun. I was like, I finally got my income tax today, which is great, but Jesus Christ. Misty's gotten her state back, but she's not gotten her federal back. Don't expect that back anytime fucking soon. I filed back in January. So did she. But they didn't. Uh, what, it, what it ended up being was that uh, federal did not start processing anything until the 15th. Yeah. So of, of, just of February. So like it was like that's why it took five, you know, longer than expected. Anyway, it's fucking. But yeah, other than that, it's 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 just been, you know. Stressful. I don't know how to put it. It's just like things piling on other things, and you're trying to figure out what your next step is and what you're going to be able to do. Well, it's just like, oh my god, oh my god, and then they're like, you think you got to figure it out, and then something a fucking curveball out of nowhere. You're like, oh my god, yeah. So it is what it is. Um, but it's frustrating, and I, and I, I empathize. Thank you. I mean, yeah. But, I don't want to go too deep into it because I want to talk about the other stuff that I have on my list. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's um, do that if you're done, so, if you're if you're ready. Yeah. So, um, I want to get into like the the smaller topic first, uh, which is the nostalgia pages on social media. Now, I've been I watch things on Instagram Reels and TikTok when I'm trying to just kill time and be entertained and not let my brain scream at me, um, because good lord. Having ADHD is a fucking nightmare sometimes. Uh, but there are these pages that you'll find where they upload old footage, um, specifically from the 90s or the early 2000s. Um, like the other day, I found a page that was like dedicated to walking into a blockbuster video. Um, Back in like 1993-94. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And I don't think it's uninteresting. My problem, my major problem with these nostalgia pages is they are littered with comments of people saying, times were better then, um, things were easier then, uh, what I wouldn't give to what. <laughs> right. Thanks, Reagan. Um, uh, and I think my problem. Not to interrupt. One of my friends posted a meme yesterday. It says, I'm going back to the 90s. Does anybody want anything? And I said, like, yeah, bring back the cost of fucking living. <laughs> well, like, I, I go back to that era. And I was 10 years old in 1993. And that's when my dad went through, like, the harshest time of his life. And a lot of that had to do with like his back and how much things cost and then my parents splitting up. And it was a whole fucking problem back then. But people have this like – my, my problem with these nostalgia as a whole is that there's this weird process that happens in people's minds. When they hit a certain age, they look back and they get this nostalgic feeling of, of how fun that time was and how interesting that time was. And they go – what I wouldn't give to go back then. Well, of course, because it was, you were too young to really grasp the weight of what was going on in the world. Um, having grown up in the night and the, in the 
kind of the 80s and mostly the 90s. When it came to like Cold War stuff, I didn't fucking know about it. You know, being 40 years old and talking to my nephews who were born after 9-11, they have no recollection of that happening. To them, it's just a historical event that happened, right? Where it feels like I'm still affected by that situation. And I always think of like, when it comes to nostalgia and, and how people kind of react to it, it's always interesting. I don't mind people going, hey, I really enjoy the movies that I grew up on or the music that I grew up on because it's nostalgia, nostalgic. But if you go and you listen to today's music, the new stuff, and you say, our music was better, go fuck yourself. Just straight up, go fuck yourself. That's not how things work. One of the arguments I make all the fucking time, you've heard me make this argument, Maya, is um, if you are the type of adult that complains about the new stuff, complains about the younger generation, you have become that adult that you hated as a kid. You know, back in my day. I mean, that's here. Here's the only the reason I said that is because I know Greg hates that when anybody prefaces a sentence with that. If you start that or, or like kids these days, I, I immediately I'm like, I'm annoyed because it's not usually followed up by just some interesting comparison. It's followed up by some fucking bullshit, but it's crazy. Like usually, I this, usually. Hmm. Usually, yeah, usually followed up by some bullshit, but I, um, but that's my point about these nostalgia pages is that I, I, they're, they're fine, but all they do is just garner the worst type of people in that regard. You know, they, um, these people are like, things were better when I had to drive to a fucking store, hunt down two movies, spend fucking $15, because I've also bought popcorn and candy, and $15 in 1995 is, you know, what, 30 40 uh, bucks now? Let's see. Currency or inflation calculator. So you're saying fifteen bucks in nineteen ninety? Let's do ninety five. In nineteen ninety five. So ninety five. Fifteen. Well, uh, holy shit! Just a dollar. Uh, would okay. Fifteen dollars. In 2024 would be the equivalent of thirty dollars and thirty six cents. So the inflation okay, so rate, the inflation rate since ninety five is one hundred and two point four percent. Right. So okay. So I'll round with my first estimate of thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. Um. And and then you'd go home that that fucking night, and you'd watch those movies, you have popcorn, and, and it'd be it'd be a good time. Um. Or you had like a sleepover and you'd rent like three movies and your friend like one of them is a horror movie and you're like ooh and then you go get fucking pizza and like yeah 
those memories are great, but those memories should stay fucking memories. Madison went to her first all girls sleepover, you know, first teenage girls sleepover this past weekend. Uh, and had the time of her life. Uh, stayed up until 4 a.m. And she normally goes to bed <laughs> by like 9 o'clock and gets up at like 5 a.m. in the mornings. That's so so she, was, yeah. she was silly and delirious, and it was funny. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. My, I'm glad she got to experience friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, me too. Me too, because um, the, the parents of her friend, they've been friends since first grade and they were in Girl Scouts together for years. Um, I went, I, I lived, you know, less than a mile from her friend's mom and was friends with her friend's mom and her friend's dad, you know, graduated the year before I did. And, uh, you know, was friends with him too, you know, so I've been friends with them since the nineties. Um, so the fact that, you know, their friends is pretty great. And now Madison, I was like, would you like to host a sleepover now that we have a house big enough for you to have friends over? And she's like, yeah. You know, so the whole pizza and movies and games kind of thing, you know, she's excited about that. So, but well, yeah, like, I didn't mean to interject that, but you're good. Those, those are wonderful memories. Yes. Um, but the reason that I say they should stay memories is because one of the problems that comes from one of the problems that comes from like uh, concentrating so hard on nostalgia is that you kind of lose perspective on what we have today. Um, you know, movie store, movie, movie stores or rental stores like Hollywood, Hollywood and Blockbuster died because it was an inconvenience. Even at the time, you know, the digital age was to make things more convenient. Uh, people tend to forget that technology increases because we want to make it easier for the younger, for the next generation. That's why we do things the way we do. Um, I mean, also in America to make money, but whatever. Uh, and so I think people are like, they have this nostalgia for things like, like Blockbuster. Um, or go into a, you know, a GameStop back then. You can still go to a GameStop today and get physical copies, but like physical media is not as like on demand on demand. Yeah. Well, not even on demand, like physical media is also something that is much lesser of a desire for companies to put a lot of energy into because digital is such a huge market. And one of the things that cracks me up is is when I read these comments from people, they're just like, that's what's wrong with America today. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> no. You were out of your mind if you actually believed that. So, I don't know. I just, nostalgia pages, fine, have fun, enjoy your nostalgia, but just take it easy. Take it easy. Like, you know, Maya and I have this nostalgia for a lot of the cartoons we watched. Um, but we understand that it is just Chemically speaking, it's just a quick dopamine rush. You know, I go back and I watch like old shows or something. And I'm just like, ooh, that's fun because I remember it. But it's nothing more than that. It's really nothing more than that. So 
don't know. I just I just thought it was interesting. So let's next topic. Um, just to move Speaking on. Speaking of cartoons, uh, well, no, we'll get to that. Well, I guess we could go to that. That would make sense. But the <clears> other <throat> one has nostalgia in it too. So, um, I wanted to bring up the Hell Divers and, and Starship Troopers uh, situation. Okay. So, uh, Hell Divers two recently released on PC and PS five, and it's a hit. It's a fucking big hit. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it it kind of has this arcadey third person shooter vibe to it that you can do with your friends, which is not something we've had in a long fucking time. It's you know you you party up or you go into a lobby with a bunch of people and you, and you spend fifteen minutes max fighting either bugs or robots, and then you get onto a dropship and you get the fuck out of there. It's action. It's high octane. But there's no PvP. There's no you don't fight against any other humans, any other players. It's just the four of you. But the reason that like Starship Troopers has had this huge surgence of interest again is because part of that game you're fighting these bugs, kind of very similar to Starship Troopers. And um, what's so interesting to me about this is now you're seeing on on, on social media. A bunch of people talking about Starship Troopers, which is great. I love that movie to death. Like, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But, oh, yeah. It's fucking great. I have it somewhere on DVD, but all my DVDs and Blu-rays are packed away in a box upstairs. And Yeah. You know, I see no reason to keep a majority of them. Uh, well, the, the point of that movie is that, maybe not the point, but the... The message of that movie is that the government is... I don't know if message is the right term, but anyway. The, the the government in that movie is bad. They're totalitarian. They're looking for a reason to go to war. And they cause a reason to go to war. And, they, and they, they're they the invaders of... Kathantu? Kathantu, whatever. I'm mispronouncing the name of the planet of the bugs. But what's, what's, what's really interesting to me is that that level of, of literal like today's problem with media literacy has now infected starship troopers i remember when i watched that movie back when it came out right and i was a little bit too young to kind of get the subtle messages but then yeah. i grew up a little bit you know high school happened i learned more then i watched the movie again and this was in my like early 20s and i was like oh like, back then, I was like, oh, it's just the fucking awesome war movie with bugs. And then I grew up, and I was like, oh, it's more about a totalitarian government, a military state of you. Like, it was, it became way more obvious to me. And then I bought the movie, watched the commentary with uh, uh, Paul Van Hoven and one of the writers, and they were talking about a lot of the shit that, like, the themes and messages they wanted to kind of get across in the film. And, and I was like, I fucking love this movie even more. Well, guess what? A lot of players have been watching Starship Troopers. Now, you may be asking, why not just play the game if you have it? Why are you watching Starship Troopers? Well, Helldivers, the company, and Sony did not think that they were going to need a whole lot of servers for the game. That the game was going to be a moderate success. So, there can only withstand 480,000 people at any given moment. That's how high the capacity is. Yeah, there's people. One of my friends uh, has posted, you know, he's on the game for a week now. 
hasn't been able to play past the tutorial because he can't get onto a server. Right. It's bad. It's like they're trying to figure out how to add more servers, but with the programming already added to those specific servers, like it's going to take a little while. So hopefully the game's interest remains at an all-time high when the ser- when new servers come in and when they're able to add more people to capacity, but yikes. Um, so a lot of people have watched Search of Troopers who hadn't seen it before, younger people. And a lot of younger people are picking up on all the messages and all the themes, which is great. But then you have a whole load of people who are just... Like, it couldn't go more over their head, right? I read an entire argument on Twitter the other day because I was like, this is fascinating. One guy was like, like, he's in his late 30s, and he's just like, the themes of this movie are, you know, like, for fuck's sake, Neil Patrick Harris's character and a couple of the other guys with him look like fucking Nazis at one point in the goddamn movie. Yeah, yeah. Um... A lot of people, and you included, Maya, and I hate to do this, legit thought that the bugs sent the meteorite or the asteroid to hit Buenos Aires. No. Buenos Aires was specifically targeted by the government in the show to, to basically force a bunch of rich kids to join the military. Like, when you have liquid assets, and the liquid assets are so high a lot of that money from rich people goes right to the government. Well, if then you kind of force your hand to have rich kids join the military and potentially die on another planet across the fucking galaxy, guess where all that money goes? And... To Blockbuster Video. Correct. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people didn't pick up on that, and it, it's it's been kind of shocking to me. I'm like, wow, like, I thought that was blatantly obvious. Um, Somebody did say it best, though, when it came to, uh, it was like a comment on, uh, because it was like one of those videos that I sent you, Maya, of like the the kind of dialogue that's in um, uh, Helldivers, because it's it's really over the top, it's satire, it's kind of campy, which I know is not your bag, but that's the theme they're going for. And I loved it, I was like, this is hilarious to me. but somebody in the comments goes, I think the writers of this game saw Starship Troopers and Warhammer 40K and went, nah, those themes are too subtle. <laughs> Which I was like, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and then someone comments like, <laughs> someone uh, comments on that comment saying like, Starship Troopers and Warhammer are anything but subtle. <laughs> he responds with, that's the joke. <laughs> um. But uh, but yeah, it's been fascinating watching people kind of discover, or, you know, discover for their own self Search of Troopers for the first time. I just wish there were more people that kind of understood the themes of the fucking movie. Because yeah. then you just got you got these fucking influencers that are ultra right wing, and they're just like, it's pro war and you know pro retaliation, and I'm like, oh lord, <laughs> oh lord, so. Cause like that, there's a whole there's a whole fucking moment in that movie where the brain bug talks to Neil Patrick Harris's character and explains to him what the fuck is going on, and it's like, uh, and it's like you know that's that's when they decide to. I I the ending of that movie confused because I think they decide to not attack anymore, like they kind of go their separate ways or whatever, 
but but just basically it ends that you know they determine that the bugs are afraid of them yes yeah because the bugs are like why the fuck are you here we didn't do anything yeah yeah that's right it's just it's and then hell divers i'll tell you this right now hell divers is basically space vietnam that's what hell divers is yeah, because the the concept that's it's really clever how they kind of built the game. So everybody that's playing the game is on the same servers, PS4 or sorry, PS5 and PC, same servers. And um, there are two different sides of this galaxy. So so Super Earth is in the center, and they're the you know fascist uh, uh, police state sort of kind of thing. And they're using propaganda to... I showed you the fucking opening of the goddamn game, which is straight the fuck up propaganda. Um, yeah. To get people to join the Helldivers to go fight the bugs or the automatons. And on one side of the galaxy, the bugs are there, and they're supposed to be the easy enemy. The enemy that you fight and level up with. And then when you're at a higher level, then you go fight the automatons. The problem is, is that like 80% of the people playing the game are fighting the fucking bugs while the other 20% are fighting the automatons and getting their absolute shit kicked in. Um, like they're losing the war. And so every, I don't remember how far the time frame is, but every so often you'll see another section kind of open up of the galaxy. And if you're pushing the bugs back, you'll see that pl- that one spot disappear and keep going further away from Super Earth, but the automatons are getting closer, meaning they're going to invade Super Earth. Hence, hence uh, Space Vietnam. Um, sort of. At least that's the message that the game's trying to get across, which is the entire point of the fucking propaganda and satire. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just i i i have found people's perception of Starship Troopers. Absolutely fascinating. Also a little frustrating at times, too. Because somebody will point out the themes of the movie that, you know, Paul Van Hoven has fucking said and, you know, the the obviousness and even, like, dissecting the goddamn book, which is pro-war, by the way. Uh, the book is way different than the movie. Um, oh, yeah? Oh, my God. The, book. The, the, the writer, he um, he's basically telling a bunch of adventures that he had while he was in the Navy. Uh, through the guise of a, of a sci-fi story. He hates the movie. I don't know if he's still alive, but I remember him saying he hated the fucking movie because it wasn't the message no, he wanted he's to get not. across in his book. Robert okay. Heinlein. He looked it up? Uh, he, died at, he died in 1988. So the movie Then who hated even... the book? There was somebody that involved he... with the book that hated it, hated the movie. Yeah, because... Maybe his estate? Maybe. Let's look at research. I also might just be conflating things. I don't know. I just remember... I remember reading something where, like... I remember reading the author hates the fucking movie. They might have said he would hate the movie. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything. This was, was like, I want to say more than a decade ago when I read this about him, so... It was definitely in the 2000s when I read it. Regardless. 
regardless, the book, the the message in the book is not the same as the movie by a fucking long shot. It's similar story, like, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Buenos Aires gets destroyed, but in the book, the fucking bugs sent the goddamn meteorite. Or the movie, they did not. So, um, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I found it fascinating. I think people's media literacy is hilarious. So we'll talk about the next nostalgic sort of thing. Uh, we got our first trailer for X-Men 97, which is mm-hmm. a continuation of the cartoon from the 90s, which I think is really funny that it's called X-Men 97 because that was the year that the show ended. <laughs> Not when Well, it, it ended in 96. I thought it ended in 97. As I looked it up when I was talking to my brother about it. Well, now, now we're going to Google some shit, aren't we? X-Men. It may have been 97, but Cartoon. I thought it ended in 96. Which, I'll tell you right now, if this show doesn't begin with last time on X-Men. Previously on X-Men. Previously, that's what they said. <clears throat> Um. Hey, uh, hey, Wikipedia! I'm just gonna need a list of the fucking episodes. That would be great. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. All right, season five. Last episode aired September twentieth, nineteen ninety seven. Oh. Well, the whole last season was in. 97. 96, okay. So the beginning of the season was in 96. And it ended in 97, so. Okay. But the first episode aired in 92. So yeah. I think it's it's kind of interesting to me that they call it X-Men 97. But it makes sense, too, because if you watch the ending of that it, back in, you know, 97, then that's where your memory kind of lies with that show. So that's clever. Anyway, but the, 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 there's controversy surrounding it, though. Dumb, dumb fucking controversy surrounding it. Uh, so, if you remember, there's a character, an X Men named Morph. Um, he kind of, I think, betray. I don't remember exactly, but my memory says he betrays the X Men in the first episode. No, no. Uh, he was or- created. He was created for this TV series. And he was seemingly killed in the first episode by a sentinel when he was trying to save Wolverine from being blasted by a sentinel. I don't uh, know why, but my memory, my, what my memory is telling me, Maya, and I think this is kind of funny, is that he was, yeah, I remember him being killed, but he faked his own death because he was working for Mr. Sinister. He didn't fake his own death. Mr. Sinister recovered his body and revived him uh, and brainwashed him, almost controlling him to be uh, an antagonist for the team when he makes gotcha. his return. Okay. He's no longer under Sinister... Yeah, he's no longer under Sinister's influence uh, at this point and is a full-fledged member of the team again. Well, here's the thing. Morph was created for that show 
but then he transitioned over into the comics and the age of apocalypse and became a character in the comics. And then, and what was it? Uh, was it, um, Let's see. Actually, he wasn't created for the show. He was created back in the 60s. X-Men 35 was his first appearance. My brain was telling me that. I didn't have the year, but my brain was telling me that he was not created for the show, but I was like, I don't remember this show. He wasn't called Morph. He he wasn't called Morph. He was called Changeling. Uh, But yeah. Yeah. I know, I just know, I remember watching the cartoon. I remember watching X-Men, but not following the story super close, because all I wanted was to watch Spider-Man, which came on, like, after it, sort of, or around the same day, so. Yeah, he was he was in the Exiles. Uh, but, yeah, here's the thing. He no, has been... That's, that's Fantastic Four. What? You said, here's the thing. I said, no, that's Fantastic Four. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they're, they're presenting Morph as non-binary, which makes sense because he's a shapeshifter, right? Fucking Even if he fucking wing. wasn't, who, like, so what? Right-wing bigots are throwing a fucking fit. Google Morph is female in the comics and just look at the image tabs. Google, okay. Morph is female as female and oh, as female not as as mm-hmm. female in comics and then just look at the images tab and look at all the instances where he has taken on female form oh they're hot <laughs> smoke show oh my god he's like so wearing, is- he's wearing <laughs> I love this image. Oh, I love it so much. He's wearing like a bra and and underwear, but it's like made out of fucking shrubbery or something. Yeah, smoking a cigar. <laughs> Got love an that eye patch on. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's all the time taking on a female form. Uh well, they you know, yeah, they he's are. non-binary. You know, even I struggle, uh, but I correct myself. And I, it's fine because I, when I said they, I had to like not force myself, but I had, I had to, there was like a small pause in my voice. You hear the hiccup, I'm like hey, they. Anyway, so IO Nine, the parent company of Gizmodo. They posted an article on Facebook talking about how Morph's non-binary. And, oh, I made the mistake of making a comment. It was like, representation in media matters because there are many maligned groups out there when they see a representation of a character they can identify with. uh, You know, it gives them a sense of validation, etc., and oh my god, the right wing bigots just eviscerated me for that one. Uh, I was just like, I'm not responding to anybody because this was like the same day that 
I made the comment about Gabby Tuft on that one page uh, Friday when we were both engaging the trolls on that wrestling website. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I was like I don't remember what we were fucking with them on, but that that was fun. I had a good time with that one. Uh, yeah. So I was just like, you know, I'm not getting shit slung at me from two fucking fronts right now. Yeah, it's I'm just not gonna worth focus it. on the one. Is enough of a headache, but Morph's got a history of presenting as both male and female in the comics for decades. They're acting like this is a new thing, and suddenly the cartoon's too woke. That the X Men's too woke. It's like, where the fuck have you been for 50 fucking years? 60 fucking years. Yeah. Um,. What's also funny to me about people fucking up in arms about Morph being non-binary is that X-Men has always, and we've had this conversation before, always been about inclusivity to groups in in a minority. Um, X-Men, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about this, was the first comic book to have a gay character. Um, Yes. Which might have been Iceman. And who was North it? Star. North, North Star. North Star. North Star. Formerly of the fan of uh, Alpha Flight. Uh, okay. North Star was the first gay character in comics. Uh, and he was an X Men, right? Um, he was a member of Alpha Flight, but he has become a member of X Men. It was a mutant. Is the important part. Yes. Because that's the thing about mutants is that the entire reason that mutants were created in the first place. X-Men was created in the first place by Stan Lee was because of the civil rights era. And he wanted to create something that was like anybody can see themselves as an X-Men that he also wanted to have that commentary. And yes, was it just about um, the civil rights movement at the time? Yes. But as X-Men has grown forward, other writers have basically said, hey, this is a great way to promote representation. This is a great way to show what the X-Men have always represented that Stanley created back in the 60s. And um, Stanley has gone on record saying that he loves that X-Men has become this. Mm-hmm. For anybody who feels like they're in a minority, whether you're gay, straight, bi- non-binary, uh, pansexual, you love polygamy, um, you're, you know, uh, did I say trans? trans. No, um, didn't. I thought I did, for some reason thought I did. Uh, it doesn't matter. The point in like, and it, your, your, your race in this country also plays into that where if there is an ostracized person or character with an X-Men, you can see yourself in them because you have that experience. You have that kind of trauma. And so does that character. And you and you kind of feel your way through that. And that's what the point of the X-Men has always been. So for these right-wing fucking idiots to claim otherwise is not only fucking hilarious, but easily one of the dumbest things on the planet. Yeah... It's. I mean, and, and here's the thing, Maya, is it's never going to end. Like, no, 
even back in the fucking 60s, there are letters that were sent to Marvel about this. Um, you know, Marvel and Stan Lee knew they were going to get shit for it. It's always been a thing. Um, the the director of the first X-Men movie is gay. And yeah, at the time of him... Brian Singer. <laughs> well, well, let's... Let's push that aside for just a moment to get to the point I'm making. Um, when he made that movie, he really wanted the correlation to what was going on in the world at the time, which was gay marriage and the rights to gay marriage, to be a allegory for that specific X-Men movie, where a politician was getting involved in you know, mutant rights and stuff like that. Like He kind of wanted that to be the 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 message of the movie and even that went over people's heads well that also plays into an actual you know the days of future past and the whole mutant registration act and uh you know the reason why they had to register was because they were you know feared and powerful and you know, put them on the government's registration list. I mean, that was a thing that they had been doing for years, 20 years prior in the comics. But yeah, he, he tailored it. So it was more of an allegory for that at the time, but you know, it still had its roots in the comic storylines, which X-Men comics have, you know, a history of always being groundbreaking in that fashion. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of X-Men comic books that are just like, mutants are fucking rad, and that's fine, but at the end of the day... The majority of the fan base misses the fucking messages. Yeah. You know, the, they... Like, I had people saying, oh, if you're looking for a fictional character for representation, and you're a narcissist if you identify with them. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I have a question for you. I'm looking at Brian Singer and because I wanted to see what the allegations were. I don't see anything about pedophilia. I just see that he was like he assaulted four different men. Sexually oh, maybe I'm conflating him with Never mind. Kevin I should Lacey. read I should read more sometimes before I open my fucking mouth. Sexually assaulted them when they were underage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, they were like extras or yeah, film crew were, or something like that. Yes. Yes, they were film crew. Yeah. But they were all under the age of 18 when he did that. They were, you know, yeah. again, it's like that comedian said, like, technically, technically, uh, pedophilia is if you are sexually assaulting somebody under the age of seven, because there's different words for the other things, but you can't explain that without sounding like a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. It's basically a statutory situation. Which... 100%. Fucking 100%. But yeah. For simplicity's sake, he has been accused of being a pedo. Yes. For some, yes, yeah, 100% for simplicity. Um, but that's why I didn't see the word pedophile is my point. That's because it's technically not pedophilic. Still, I'm still going to cool. call it pedophile. I'm still going to call yeah, it pedophile. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just explains why I wasn't seeing the word pedophilia. Um, yeah, it's just, hey, look, guys. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're sitting there thinking, what the fuck are these two talking about? X-Men has never been about gay people. You're wrong. 
I mean, you're on, you're totally wrong, but also why the fuck are you listening to our podcast? If that's the case, get the fuck out of here. You stupid weirdo. Any other thoughts on this or you want to move on to the review? Well, let's, let's, let's talk about the review. All right. Halo season two, episode three. Yeah, close these these tabs of, you know, the list of just the amazing amount of characters that are part of the LGBTQ community just in Marvel Comics alone, just the heroes alone. It's a pretty vast list. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, episode three of Halo season two is titled Visegrad. Uh, here's a synopsis. When Silver Team arrives at Cobalt Team's supposed location, Fleet Com arrives to apprehend them despite uh, Master Chief's insistence of covenant activity. Captain Key, since promoted, since being promoted to Admiral, informs Silver Team that they are suspended from combat, that Cobalt was sent to a different planet, and that Master Chief is to undergo psychiatric evaluation. Uh, Master Chief escapes and rendezvous with Admiral Parangoski, telling her his suspicions, but she warns him not to go against Oni and to play along with them, which he angrily dismisses. Uh, as a result, you know, she reveals that she wasn't let go from Oni. She's still an admiral, and yeah, <clears throat> a little bit of a deception on her part. Uh, Ackerson shows uh, keys, the bodies of Cobalt Team, who were killed by the Covenant on Reach. Furious that Ackerson and Oni covered up what Master Chief had suspected, Keys enacts the winter contingency of evacuating and defending Reach against Ackerson's plan to secretly transport essential assets away without informing the public of the planet's impending doom. Ackerson builds farewell to Halsey, who reveals to Ackerson his sister Julia was a Spartan candidate, but died before uh, during the augmentation process. Ackerson leaves Halsey with the apprehended Soren, then helps his elderly father uh, commit suicide to avoid capture before boarding a spacecraft. Quan protects Lara and Kessler from Soren's mutinous crew, killing the latter when they threaten Lara, even though Kessler is separate and. Uh, as a result, Kessler is separated from the group. Master Chief finds Perez, who explains that she has cracked the Covenant's message, announcing their intention to destroy Reach before explosions began rocking the planet. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. It's a uh, fun episode. Yeah, the show's getting fucking. Oh my god, there's so much. Dude, they keep hinting at things that I know are coming. Because, you know, mm-hmm. my knowledge on Halo. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I still can't fucking say anything. I think this upcoming episode is going to be, like, I think this next episode is called Reach. Yeah, the next episode is called Reach. And I got Ooh. a feeling it's going to be a fucking bloodbath. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I've read two books that have to do about Reach. And, yeah. and there's a whole game based around it. Um. Ooh boy. Y'all ain't ready. That's all I'll say. I mean, maybe you're ready. I don't know. I think I've hyped it up enough, but I mean, I'm ready for it. I enjoy the I'm I'm enjoying the show. 
It's uh, ain't gonna be pretty. No, no. Like I said, I'm expecting a bloodbath. Like beyond red wedding level bloodbath, I'm expecting some fucking eradication. Might, might get that. I see. That's the thing. I don't know how far the show's gonna go with that part because it hasn't really gone that level yet, in my opinion. Like that gruesomeness, but expect a lot of dead bodies. I assume. Well, yeah, that's that's what I mean. I mean, I'm. I'm not expecting like visceral gore or anything, but I won't be upset if there is. No, I'm safe here, but uh. oh shit! Uh, sorry, y'all. Um, yeah, because from the game's perspective, like the characters in the in the game reach, like land on reach go and talk to some people because I don't remember if season one talked about it, but the whole reason of the Spartans being created was not to fight the covenant. It was to fight humans. It was to fight like an insurgency. Yeah. Yeah. It opens up, you know, remember Quan, huh? Yes. Uh, yes. 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 Her yes. planet and the Spartans were there to put down the resistance. Yes. Okay. Good. I could, I genuinely couldn't fucking remember, but um. Yeah, so that's the, that's why you're on reach as the specific group, and you go and talk to some people, and they're just like, "We don't want to fucking fight you because what the fuck's over there is terrifying." And then you fight some covenant, but um, uh, the rest of the game is um fucking wild in regards to that. Like, I it's hard to explain, but. Goodness gracious, great, great balls of fire. Literally and figuratively. I'm excited for y'all to watch it. I really am. Because if they, if, like, that's one of the things that I've really appreciated about this show as a longtime Halo fan, somebody who knows so fucking much. Um, we're not even at some of the best stuff that Halo has to offer. Uh, Yes, is I think there's going to be a lot of action in the next few episodes. Absolutely, which is fantastic. But like at the beginning of this season, we see Master Chief laying it out on a table. Like it looks like a medical table, right? Yeah. Yeah, when they took out Cortana. Was that when they took out Cortana? Or is that like That's a what it was, was that a it was implied I thought it was that they preview. were surgically removing Cortana. Oh, I thought it was just a preview. I thought it was just like a, like a, um, what do you call that? No, it's not foreshadowing because they show it, but that's going to happen later. No, 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 no. Oh. Like a flash forward. Oh. Like what ends up happening in the season causes this. Let's get there. That's what I'm. I'm assuming it is because... Spoiler alert. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I think that he was on that table bed because spoilers. Well, I think it was, you know, after the events of the first season and they removed Cortana. But, you know, you could be right. 
you have more knowledge than I do when it comes to Halo. Well, like what I know and what I want to say isn't massive spoilers, so I could tell you off podcast. Um, but I'm not saying it on podcast, period. Because um, I don't know if anybody's going to consider it a spoiler, so I'm just leaving it be. But um, uh, what happens on, like in the video game of Reach, literally the last thing you do, it's Reach, Halo Reach is basically um, uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, you get my point on that? Like where Rogue One, where Rogue One ends is like, hey, five minutes later, fucking episode four. So, yeah, the Halo Reach ends and like maybe an hour later, maybe a little bit longer than an hour. I don't know exactly how long, but it's like I get you. I follow like I'll, I'll put it this way. One of the last things you're doing is you're delivering an item to the Pillar of Autumn, which is this big ship. And the very first thing you see in Halo 1 is the Pillar of Autumn. And they were just recently running from Reach, so. That's 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 the point of it. Which is not a spoiler. That's not a spoiler. Because, again, I don't know if they're going to have... Like, I don't know what they're going to do with the show. I yeah. think that's also what's interesting to me is that it's 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 an interesting adaptation. They're borrowing a ton from the books, but it's not in in um, It's not in any like kind of proper order. There's a few things that they've changed, like the the little pill or what the fuck they call it that's in the, that was in their spine, inhibiting their emotions. The the suppression pill that doesn't exist in the in the books. Oh. I haven't read every single book, but I've never read that. Um, and. Uh, like they're just they're trained so much from a young age that that's all they know. Um, like in in the in the games, it's more insinuated that Master Chief and Cortana's relationship is more like Master Chief was he saw basically because how he was trained, he always saw um, uh, Halsey as a mother figure. And Cortana was always meant to look like Halsey, so he sees he sees Cortana as a kind of surrogate mother. Gotcha. At least that's that's what's insinuated. It's never said directly, but so but they don't look like they're taking that route for the show. But then again, they could kind of do a quick twist, and I think I know how they could write it in that would work with the correlation of the game. So I'm just like I don't know, I don't know. What I do know, what I, know. I do know for sure is that Reach is fucking brutal. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. No, I'm looking forward to it. So what do you think? What do you think uh, Soren and uh, Halsey are going to talk about? Because that's also new to me. Uh... Well, I think she's going to attempt to lure him into a game of backgammon. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's obvious. Like, I know you're kind of joking, but also, like, obviously. Well, I mean, what else are they going to do? 
Well, I hope talk during the game of backgammon. <laughs> well, yes, yes. <laughs> I just play fucking backgammon for in just in silence. Well, the world's going to shit outside. Let's have a game. I really, really like that they're showing Oni being kind of like a kind of a piece of shit organization. Because it is. It very much is in the, in the games and the books. Gotcha. Yeah, O and I. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Soren's going to basically be looking for answers, make some physical threats. She's going to tell him some answers. Uh, he's probably not going to like the answers. But I don't think Soren's going to kill her. Oh, I think no, maybe no. they'll work together to try to get out of there. That's what I'm hoping for. Because Halsey is a piece of shit, but I don't want to see her die on the show yet. <laughs> oh, man. See, there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm, I, I love. I love that you see that. I love that they're doing that. I love that... <laughs> That nobody's going, like, I'm on Halsey's side. Because if you say that, it's like saying, like, Rorschach was my favorite character in Watchmen. You know what I mean? Yeah, when I was 12, he was. (laughs) When I was an idiot. Yeah. I was a 12-year-old idiot. God, who isn't? (laughs) Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, 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 shows shows a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. I think this season, you know, has been very, very fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. And you know, I know there's going to be some bad shit go down, and I'm embracing it wholeheartedly. Oh yeah. Like I said, I, I want to say y'all ain't ready, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking y'all are ready because they've kind of hyped it up to that point. I'm excited. I just wish more Halo fans would watch the show and you know stop thinking that they, they know the fucking story. Yeah. I mean... There are so many people that played Halo for primarily the multiplayer, and that's what they remember. But the people that did play it for the story, I feel like a lot of them just kind of skipped past story elements. Or just didn't pay attention because they were like, I shoot things. I shoot aliens in face. Oh, it's going to be fun. Anyway, what uh, what grade would you give it? Give this episode? I give this episode an A. Very yeah. good, very solid. Uh, you know, looking forward to where it leads, and uh, you know, I'm enjoying the fact that Master Chief can't trust pretty much any of his superiors, and now it's like they've his superiors have sown the doubt of his 
mental uh, capabilities, uh, leadership capabilities among his team. You know, I've got a feeling that by the end of this season, I don't think there is going to be a silver team anymore. Uh, you know, don't confirm or deny. I'd say a word. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I just think that Chief's going to be the only survivor out of the team. Uh, which is sad because I really enjoy Kai. And, uh, you know, Vanek's pretty cool too. But I got a feeling they're going to die. But yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm really enjoying the show. What 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 grade would you give it? I give it an A as well. I think that it's really well structured and well written to kind of cause certain outside action drama that is much needed for this show for for a TV show. Um, there's been a couple moments that I thought were so well fucking acted that I was like, this is in Halo. Um, like for example, when Master Chief meets up with uh, what's her ass from Oni again. And he's Parangoski. Parangoski, yeah, and he's, he's she's tricked him. I that was great. That was a great fucking scene. Um, but also like everything involving uh, what's his name? Fuck, I just had it a minute ago. The new like runner of Ackerson. Ackerson, thank you. Ackerson, yeah. Um, because like he's a complete piece of shit in the games as well. So I'm like, yes, but it's it's insinuated that he's a piece of shit. It's never said outright. So I'm like, yes, but yeah, I'm 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 digging what we're getting so far. I, I like that it's. I like that it's not the video games, by the way. Like I'm I'm it's it's something different, something newer. So that I'm I'm very much happy with. So. No complaints on this end. I know other Halo fans will complain, but again, go read the books, guys. I promise you they're they have tons of story. Um in twenty twenty four, no one's read those books. Uh alright, well yeah, guys, that's that's gonna do it for us today. Um next week we're gonna talk about episode four of Halo. Um also we're gonna be watching uh Jesus Christ, I forgot about this. Um, Avatar and the Last Airbender Yep, uh, the live action version that's coming to Netflix This Thursday actually Both are on Thursday Oh boy So, one of the things about (laughs) It's gonna be fun because next week Hey, guess what? We have two shows that Greg knows a shit ton about Um, That I know nothing about So, yeah Uh, I like the dichotomy of me going in completely blind And you having all the knowledge about it Oh, uh, same here. Like that's why I asked you if you were going to watch the cartoon before, um, before the live action because I was like, I know you're not playing Halo, so that's at the question. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, um, sorry, I was trying to write. I was trying to write down on my notes the last Airbender, and my brain was like, "What word am I missing?" I wrote down the last. I wrote down the Airbender. What word am I missing? Is it last? No, it's at the end. No, it's, oh, I'm an idiot. Because <laughs> I'm trying to do two things at once. Um, what I'm really hoping is that is if if this show sucks, which it it might, there's a good chance of that. Um, but it doesn't suck enough to where you're uninterested in the world. Because if you enjoy the world enough, the idea behind it, 
I think you would really like the, the cartoon. But we'll see. We'll see if it's good or not. If it's because they've changed quite a bit from the from the cartoon. Some 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 stuff that I think is very important for character development, I should say. But then again, you know, it's a it's an adaptation because the way that the show the cartoon works is that it was the first season was twenty episodes. It was called Book One, and it was a lot of character building. And then Book Two. Because uh, book one is called Air, book two is called um, Earth, and then book three. Oh no, book yeah, book one is Air. Is it Air or is it fucking Earth? Eh, whatever. Point I'm the getting. Books at, are named after the elements. Point I'm getting at is the, is the live action has less time overall than the cartoon. Does it though? Yes, because. Because if the first season was 20, 22-minute episodes, the live-action show, say it's 10, 42-minute episodes, it's going to be about the same amount of time. I was under the impression that it's only eight. Well, trying to check then, right We'll know in we'll know in less than forty eight hours. So book one is water, book two is earth, and book three is fire. That's what it was, which makes more sense in conjunction to what I know. Um. Hey, uh, uh, let me see. Is it that? Yeah, there it is. Okay. So season one is. It is eight episodes. That's what I thought, and they're only an hour. they're only going to be like an hour long. So that is technically less time than twenty episodes of a cartoon series. Still, well, things have to be cut. Plain and simple. Yeah. I can't imagine this this live action show being worse than the fucking in my Shyamalan version. So, well, I hear that's atrocious. It's bad, like on both fronts. Like if you haven't watched the cartoon versus watching the cartoon, it's a bad movie. One of the things in this story is, and the, like the literally like the prologue voice tells you in the cartoon. Everything was at peace for a long time. All the nations of the of the world lived in harmony until the fi- until the avatar disappeared, and uh, the fire nation started attacking countries. And one of the one of the nations they attacked first was the was the uh, Earth nation, and they started ra- uh, uh, taking Earthbenders and 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 putting them in prison. Well, the way that they are doing that wasn't what fucking M Night Shyamalan showed. Where, like, if you haven't watched that movie, hey, what can Earthbenders do, Maya? I'm going to assume they can control the elements of the Earth, cause earthquakes, things like that. So wouldn't you argue that putting them in in a prison where they're surrounded by rocks and Earth be a bad idea? I mean, that would be like locking Magneto in a metallic prison. Correct. Well, that's what M. Night Shyamalan thought was a good idea. What the cartoon does, you don't really see until season two, so I don't want to spoil it per se, but it's way smarter. And uh, um, and then when they start bending, 
like I've like I've watched that show. What's what's really clever, and you'll kind of see it in the show. It's really clever about how they kind of wrote into the world is that each bending style has a different form of martial art behind it. So earthbending is more of like a. I don't remember the name of the martial art, but it's very stompy and strong, heavy movements. Like you can't see me. Um, whereas as is uh, airbending is down, John Cena. I know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, air bending's more fluid. Uh, water's very fluid too, but like air's more or more um, uh, like peaceful, peaceful kind of bending. Uh, uh, our martial art, where water is more of an attack martial art, but it's very fluid. And then fire is like it's also heavy, but it's it's got a more fluidity to it than earth. It's very clever with how they did that. I, if you look at the, each of the martial arts, which you can online, you can see that. But and I know the show's going to do that. Um, so, like, when you see the bending in the show, you'll kind of get more of an idea of what I'm talking about. But for the M. Night Shyamalan movie, it was like they weren't doing the same martial art. They were doing a completely different one. And then, the like, the, it was like rocks coming out of nowhere. Small, like, hand-sized rocks just floating and then being kind of thrown. And I'm like, Lord in heaven. <laughs> so bad. Also, he changed... M. Night Shyamalan was in a fucking interview and he thought that the last airbender was an actual anime and that all the names were mispronounced in the translation on Nickelodeon. So he did the quote unquote proper pronunciations. So Ang become Ung, Sokka became Soka. And I'm like, I want to fucking punch you in the balls. Okay. I'm done with my rant. I'm finished. I'm not angry. I'm a little angry, but I'm not angry. Um. Anyway, y'all. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna watch Last Airbender <laughs> for next week, and Halo season two, episode four. Uh, so come, so watch those. Come back and join us for that. Uh, follow us on the social medias, which are all listed down below. That's when you know the new episodes are out. If you want to support us directly, our Teespring store has loads of cool merch. And if you made it this far in the podcast, use discount code AQU15 for 15% off your order. That basically takes care of shipping and handling. Um, that's it for my notes. Where can, Maya, where can folks find you? You can find me on Facebook under Maya Dawn Fisher. It's a public profile, so give me a follow. Shoot me a message. We'll talk about nerdy, cool things. Just don't be a creep. What about you, Greg? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, under Chub Ruck Geek on all socials. That's C H U B R O C K G E E K. Um, I haven't posted a whole lot recently, but I might get back into it eventually. I don't fucking know. With everything going on, who knows? Who knows what's happening in the future? Well, go ahead and follow me on any of those. Um, again, guys, Halo season two, episode four, uh, the eight episodes of Avatar: Last Airbender live action. Um, join us next week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.